Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're going around the country, and I shouldn't even say the country, going around the continent. So whether it's the United States or if you want to call in from Canada as well, we'd love to take your phone call. Getting harvest updates. So if you've got any harvest information for us, please send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. Our number again is 844-442-4743. Even if you just want to call and talk to my sister Janelle and tell her, hey, I don't want to be in the air, but I'll tell you, here's how here's how things are going on my farm. I'd be fine with that too. So we would just love to hear from you today again. A harvest update show here on Ag PhD Radio. So I'll give you a little information from our farm. So we farm about 3,200 crop acres in southeast South Dakota, right north of Sioux Falls. And so if you're unfamiliar with our general territory, it's where South Dakota, Minnesota, and Iowa all meet. We are on the South Dakota side by probably roughly, let's call it 30 miles. And we normally have pretty decent yields here. We've done a lot to improve drainage and fertility and everything else. So our farm average in the last 10 years is probably, I don't know, let's call it 215, 220 on corn and 65 on soybeans, something like that. Maybe a little better on soybeans. But anyway, this year we have, well, really since the 4th of July in 2020, so over a year ago, we have experienced pretty severe drought here. But we have pretty heavy soil. Our average cation exchange capacity is probably 18 or 20. So it's pretty heavy soil, or at least heavy enough to hold a fair amount of moisture. We farm some hills. We farm some flat ground. uh, But anyway, I'll I'll just tell you kind of how we're turning out so far. Like on our silage corn, we've got a great big dairy right next to us, and they it's it was it wasn't it was a small dairy a few years ago got bought out and it's now like 10x what it always used to be and this is their first year of having some cows there so they wanted to buy a whole bunch of silage so we've never done a lot of this before but we took about three quarters of our corn I'm not saying three quarter sections of corn I'm saying about 75 percent of all the corn we raised this year which is about 2,000 acres Roughly 1,500 acres went to the dairy in the form of silage. And I haven't even figured our exact average there, but it's probably around 25 tons to the acre, which isn't terrible. But for me, that's not great because I want 35 plus. So we did have some that was 35 plus, but we also had some on some pretty sandy ground that wasn't the best. But anyway, uh, we just did the first grain corn on Saturday on our farm, and it was in a field where we left... We left 21 acres because we actually had some Zyway trials there. And I haven't looked at the data yet, but from our research lead who was running the combine there, he he used his little combine four row head so he could do a better job extracting the data out of there. He just said it looked like the Zyway was good. So we are pretty encouraged by that Zyway, the fungicide that you can use at planting time. You just have to be careful with Zyway because it is a triazole. And we know that triazoles can limit or at least inhibit to some degree gibberellic acid production. Gibberellic acid basically means stem elongation. It also can mean slower germination if you don't have good gibberellic acid levels. 
So that was concerning to some people when their germ was just a little bit slower. But quite frankly, I don't care if my germ's fast or slow or whatever. What I care about is at the end of the day or at the end of the year, do I have yield? Is it paying? So we'll be sharing that information with you once we actually get a chance to evaluate the data. But what I do know is what he combined, I, I looked at the average and I reconfirmed that with him because I'm like, are you sure it was that good? Because keep in mind, we've had very little rain. I mean, like almost record low rainfall in the last 14 months, 15 months, 242 bushels to the acre. Hail damaged, drought, and we still got 242. I'm pretty darn happy with that. So anyway, our hail damaged beans didn't turn out quite as good as the hail damaged corn, though, right across the road. There are spots making 30, and the field average is probably going to be 50, where it should be that's one of our better fields. That should be averaging 75. So that that's pretty disappointing. But where we didn't get hail, it was a small area where we got hail. I, I think a lot of our beans are going to end up averaging in that 50 to 60 kind of range, which again, for as little rain as we had, I'm pretty happy with that. But we've just gotten going on soybean harvest. So that's kind of what's happening on our farm. I will say too, in terms of soybean moisture, here's what's supposed to happen later this week. We're supposed to get a little bit of rain, not much, just a little. And I like that anytime we have soybean harvest. And here's why. Because what happens in fields all the time, and this is exactly what we're experiencing, we've got areas in the field that are pretty dry and other areas a little too wet. Well, rather than having to go out there, take the ones that are fit, leave the ones that aren't fit, that's, I, that's a real pain. I love it when we get just a few days of just a little light drizzle. It re-wets everything, kind of evens it out. Stuff all finishes then at the same time, and then we can do whole fields. So I'm kind of hoping that's what's going to happen here later in the week for us. And I would say to you, one of the most important things every fall is the moisture of your grain. If soybeans get too dry, they have the the... They're, they're just much more likely to pop out of the pods and you're much more likely to have harvest loss. Plus the fact that if you haul in eight or nine or 10% soybeans to the grain elevator, you've lost all kinds of money. I mean, all kinds of money. You want to haul your beans in always at that 13 kind of range. I'd way rather have you haul in a bean at 13 and a half or 14 than I would a bean at 8 or 10. You'll come out far money ahead, even if you have to take a little dock. If you don't believe me, run the math. You'll see what I'm talking about. On the corn side, we are in an area that had drought, as I've said. This area of drought is massive. It's all over southern Canada. It's all over the upper Midwest. So we're talking Dakotas, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, even into Wisconsin, and like I say, all of southern Canada. Well, what happens with corn is the plant deteriorates much more quickly than normal. Always keep in mind, the whole goal of the plant is to reproduce. So it's still going to shove as much energy as it can into those kernels, but it's going to leave even less in the stalks. And so what I'm trying to say is if you let corn dry down to 15, 16, 17, maybe even 18% moisture, that corn may very well be on the ground. So we're trying to get all our corn before it's 20% or even 22% this year because we're so worried about stock quality. So take a look at that on your farm before you decide what you need to harvest today. All right, we're going to talk harvest update next. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. 
makes life simple, and it's the secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're getting a harvest update from you. If you'd like to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We're going to go to the phone lines right now. We've got Jason calling in from Indiana. Jason, how are things going for you today? Uh, pretty good. It's uh, We've got some beautiful weather right now and this week, so we're we're just getting started harvesting. What are things looking like so far? Are you on corn or beans? So today we're on corn. We've got a couple of fields of some early season varieties for us that we're, we wanted to be able to pick early. And it's got some tar spot in it, so we're it, it's going to go down here pretty soon. So we wanted to get it out, and um, we're hoping to get done with this field and get on to beans. And guys are starting to, starting to cut soybeans around here today. So... Any idea is your corn yield going to be average, above, below? I think it's too early to tell. We have high hopes. We went through a, a real dry spell about three or four weeks from mid-August until just recently. And tar spot in our area has just been devastating, devastating. And, and we've heard some guys with some irrigated yields that just make you want to throw up. Um, we're just getting into our stuff, and, and so far it seems average uh, where we've had at least one fungicide application. Well, that was going to be my question. Did fungicide pay on this tar spot? How is it looking? Well, yeah, I mean, I think yes is, is the, uh, the immediate answer. It's, it's still a little too early to tell. Uh, we've got some fields that I'm concerned about where I think maybe we need a two application. Yep. And what we're finding is uh, where we ran 
a generic fungicide early, like V10 or something with our ground rig, or, okay, we can get across this with that. That seems to be helping quite a bit. Those fields look much cleaner and are still green, where we just went with like an R1, VTR1 fungicide app with the plane. Yep. They're melting down. I mean, it just, it, the, the tar spot has burned through it, and you go out there and walk, and the stock quality is bad, and anywhere where there was a plane, the plane missed or something, it's flat, it's on the ground, and it's just, it's disgusting. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's only September yet, and we're going to have to deal with this. You know, I've been an agronomist, full-time agronomist, for over 30 years, and I often tell these young agronomists, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the world or anything else, but you got to talk to lots and lots of farmers, and then they can be your eyes and ears to some degree. The reason why I bring this up is because it seems like just about everybody I talk to from Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, they're all talking about tar spot. So I don't have to be that sharp to figure out um, this is like a real bad problem and it's just come on in the last few years and everything that I've heard so far is fungicide is paying and so that's why I was curious what you'd found. But I'm glad you brought that up that the early spraying is super important and unfortunately I'm afraid it's going to be this two-shot kind of deal until we get varieties that are better on it. I don't think it's been around, the disease has even been around long enough for the breeders to take it that far back into their breeding program, but they're, they're going to get some good, uh, g- good data this year on tar spot because it does appear to be pretty bad in a lot of places. How about the beans? Have you done anything on beans yet, Jason? Yeah, we haven't started beans yet. We're hoping to start tomorrow. I've got a, a friend over towards Valpo that has cut some earlier season stuff. And, and so far I would say they're, they're average. Um, just too early to tell yet. So at this point, and even the little bit of corn that you've done, is there anything that you're thinking about doing different now for next year, whether it's because of tar spot or, I mean, really anything else, any evaluations you made on your crop where you say, yeah, I can't let this happen again, or boy, I like what I did over here and I want to do more of that. Yeah, so the only thing I can say for sure is all of our corn, whether it's rotated or corn on corn, has to get uh, an early uh, whatever it is, V8, 9, 10, generic fungicide, and then an R1 fungicide. It just, just has to because if we let this tar spot get on us like it did this year, uh, and, and I think by the time you realize it's a bad tar spot year, it's too late, we're dead men walking. We just yep. – it's – it's that devastating of a disease. It just you, you just have to. We're at the budget two applications now. It's just the way it is. It's the same thing. When I was down in Brazil about fifteen years ago, the all those Brazilian farmers are talking about Asian rust the exact same way. They said, "Yeah, it killed us." And then we just figured out, "Hey, we just had to spray at certain timings exactly what you're talking about." Granted, it's a different crop, but still, the point is you got to make those planned applications. And a lot of times. As farmers, I think we've looked at fungicide as, well, we'll see kind of what the year brings and everything else. And then you get busy, whatever, and all of a sudden it gets to be R1 and you miss that earlier timing. I agree with you. We can't miss that on tar spot. All right. Well, hey, Jason, thanks a lot for calling in today. We want to wish you the best of luck during harvest and be safe out there. Thanks. You bet. All right. Let's go next to Doug. He's calling in from Illinois. Hey, Doug, how are you? I'm good today. How are you, Brian? Excellent. You out in the field combining yet? Uh, yes, I'm actually shelling corn right now. Nice. How how are the yields? Um, actually, for southeastern Illinois, they've been amazing so far. We've been in the the low the low two hundreds to the low to mid two hundreds. 
Nice. So were you expecting that before you pulled in there with the combines? Uh we knew that our corn crop was going to be good this year, other than a dry uh, June and a little bit of a wet May. Uh, our rains have been pretty much on schedule about every seven to ten days, so we knew that things were, were looking good, especially in the corn crop. But I think so far everybody I've talked to, they've been about 10 or 15% higher in this part of the country than what they expected. Nice. So is there anything... <laughs> Is there anything management-wise that you did that is standing out to you so far, good or bad? Um, for the first time, we rigged up, and it actually threw us a little later, uh, getting started behind a lot of the people in the area, but we rigged up and used liquid starter fertilizer. Yep. And uh, mix, we were trying to get a little better, a uh, little less mortality, trying to get a better stand yep. uh, out, out of the gate with it. And I think that's made a big difference. This year we used a biologic product um, that causes the corn plant to take its nitrogen uh, more so out of the soil and out of the air. And with our our rainfall and that sort of thing, I think this has made a big difference this year. Um, I think that's held us. It's probably added 10 or 15 bushel an acre to the yields anyway. Nice. So on that starter, are you talking about in-furrow or two-by-two, two or how would you put that liquid on? Uh, what we went with was about uh, three-quarters of an inch below seed in-furrow. Okay. We, we wanted something when that taproot come out of the corn plant to be able to, um, um, to give it that good start so it, so it was fed right from, from the very beginning and, and tried to see if that wouldn't help our emergence um, and, and our, our, um, as far as our uh, initial stand that we got in the field to see if we couldn't get a, be- a better jump on things. So when you talk about these stands that you had before and even the need to get a better stand, was it that you were planting into cold soils? I mean, wh- what kind of problems were you seeing that led you to this? Well, we were having a less than desirable, I guess the best way to put it, uh, <laughs> or, or <laughs> um, emergence on things. We were trying to even up emergence quite a bit. Um, we didn't have a big problem with it, but we were just kind of we um, to the point that we wanted to see what we could tweak where as far as pushing this con- the, the corn crop on up. Um, given where fertilizer prices have gone as of recent, I think we may be doing tweaking all through the winter, too. So. Yeah, I was just talking to our guys about that on Saturday, and I got the question, oh, are we going to run with kind of our normal program, or because fertilizer is so high, do you want to do more stuff with the planter? And I said, well... We lucked out, actually, because last fall we loaded up everything. I mean, we got our fertility levels off the charts on a bunch of fields, and I'm so thankful we did. So now we can kind of do a little more maintenance program and stuff like that. So anyway, we'll see how things go. Hey, uh, Doug, we got to run, but I want to thank you for calling in today. We hope that harvest goes great for you and be safe out there. All right. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate it, and, and pleasure talking to you today. You bet. Thanks a lot. All right, again, today on the show, we are getting a little harvest update. If you would like to call in and let us know how things are going on, on how things are going on your farm, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD, or send me an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll get right back to the phone lines after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio.
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD-TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, Here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, broadcasting today from the Morton Studio, just getting a harvest update. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. We're going next to Nebraska. Got Todd calling in from there. Hey, Todd, how are things going for you today? Yeah, they're going great. Excellent. Yeah, I was down in Nebraska this morning, as a matter of fact. Looked like a beautiful day down there. Are you harvesting yet? I'm in the combine as we speak. <laughs> so are the yields good, or how are they looking so far? All we've got into so far is soybeans. Yep. But uh, they're <laughs> insane. They're really, really good. Are they ir- uh, irrigated or non? Uh, all irrigated. Okay, yep. So yeah, my, I've got a 
friend of mine, uh, Troy, he had a field that his better ground made 96. <laughs> That'll he work. Had a, he had a sandy, he had a sandier field with yep. 77. Yep. He had uh, one that got some white mold. Yep. It did 62. Yeah. My son got done with a field yesterday, 140-acre field. It made 93. Yep. And I'm sitting in one right now that's a pivot. It's just a tick rougher, but it's still good dirt. It's at 89. Well, my own... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my only hope, Todd, is that we have no one listening from the Chicago Board of Trade or, you know, anybody that deals with... I was worried about saying anything when I said that, but I don't think I can influence Chicago. I've been around long enough. What I do on my farm, they don't care. Uh, Well, anyway, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so you said the white mold at 62. Now... Are you seeing any of that on any of your ground? And if so, what's your plan of attack as we go into next year? Because who knows, might be a little cooler year, might see more white mold. I've had it before, yep. but I did not have any this year. Yeah, Actually, the field I'm on right now, uh, in a few spots, had some sudden death. Oh, so I, yep. I didn't send it in, so it could have been stem too, but it looked certainly looked like sudden. Yeah. Yep. But uh, my son's field, uh, seed treatment-wise, he put the full meal deal on. Yep. For And uh, I believe next year, even with the input prices, that'll be on every acre I've got. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the good news is it doesn't look like seed costs are going up hardly at all. It's the other stuff, like fertilizer especially. So at least that part's good. So how about anything else on your farm? Anything else you think this year that looks better or looks worse? I mean, anything you may have done management-wise? The the only other, not really, the only other comment I've got is uh, we grow some alfalfa. And other people around here do also. Yeah. Army worms ate it to the ground. I had a, a, it was a small field, a 10-acre field. Yep. It was brown. I drove out there and I said, it's not worth the diesel. And it should have made... You know, it was fourth cutting, but it still should have made a ton or better. Okay, I was just going to add. they ate it to the ground. They were uh, three by three square. There were 80 of them. <laughs> I was just going to ask you, when did they move in? Well, let's see. I went to mow it a couple days ago. I went and looked at it about six days ago, and I said, you know, it's not quite bloom. I'll wait four days. I went back. It was gone. So about a week. Yeah. That's the problem with I've our... I've never, ever, ever had that before. <laughs> yep. We're we're fortunate we haven't had that on our farm before either, but we work with enough farmers from all over the country that we have experienced that before. And that's the thing that I always tell people about armyworms, because I do get a fair amount of calls about that. And I just say, look, you can't call a plane and have them hope to get to you in three days. Your crop's gone by then. So you got to move fast yep. with armyworms. They're just, that's a crazy insect just how quickly they can devastate a field. Well, hey, uh, and oh, go ahead. They, they started from the south side is where they yep. ate it to the ground. Yep. And as they moved to the north, you could just see that it was gone really bad, and then there was still a little left. But yeah. Just a interesting tidbit. Yeah, 
And especially when you have a small field like that, that does look green and good and everything else is maturing, that's a lot of times what'll happen is they're going to attack that. So, well, sorry to hear about that. Fortunately, it was only 10 acres and fortunately everything else is looking good for you. So anyway, hopefully the rest of harvest turns out great for you, Todd. Thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. Yep. All right, let's go next over to the state of Wisconsin. Got Joe calling in from there. Hey, Joe, how are things going for you today? Oh, not too bad. Are you doing any harvest yet? Yes, I've been working on soybeans and doing some corn bowls. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I just was listening on your last uh, caller there. We have got army worms in southwest Wisconsin here also. So, uh, and in hayfield, alfalfa, yep. which I've never heard of before. Yep. So, are, do you have any of those, or you're just saying other people in the area do? Other people. I yeah. don't have any uh, hay myself. Yeah, gotcha. I'm just going in soybeans here. Yep. I, I mean, the the one good thing that I always tell people is armyworms are not that difficult to control. You can spend $2 on a pyrethroid, and it's going to kill them. It's just you have to be so timely. That's what stinks is— and. I, I'm guilty of this, too. I'm not scouting my fields every day. Well, just just like Todd was saying, he went and looked at it a week ago, comes back a few days later, and all of a sudden it's like, well, where the heck did my alfalfa go? So that's the that's the challenge with this thing. So how are your soybeans and uh, corn turning out so far, Joe? Soybeans are, are good. Um, 60, 70 bushel soybeans um, on field averages. Is but that, uh, corn maybe not so good. Uh, a lot of a lot of down corn in this area yep. um, due to variety more than anything. It looks like uh, just little stalks and not standability. So I'm in a process of putting a corn reel on. Ooh, that's too bad. Never had to do that before. So yep. But luckily, I found one on Saturday. To, to is it's definitely going to need it. Yep, we've had to combine some corn at one mile an hour before, one direction. And, yeah, I can tell you it's not a whole lot of fun. But, I mean, eventually you get through it and you move on. The biggest thing for us was just really building up our K levels. And where we had that issue for a little while, even while we were working on the K and some of the other fertility, we cut the population down because I, I just I didn't want to have to go through that again. And that, that helped. But, yeah, you're always subject to if you get some great big wind coming through, you know, it's it, it's a tough deal. Uh, hey, on your on your soybeans, you said sixty to seventy. What do you normally get in your area? That's my pH is probably low to mid sixties. So, okay, or maybe it's just a tad better than normal. Sure. Yeah, and with the price a lot better than normal, that uh, that that sure helps pay a few bills. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem with soybeans this week is so hot, we're going to be dealing with soybeans that are probably going to be 8% here in another day or two. Yeah. Do you have any rain coming in your forecast? We do as early uh, as Wednesday. No, there's really not. Maybe a 30% chance next Saturday. Yep. Which, Yep. but, uh, well, I've got to take a couple of days off here in the middle of the week, so that's part don't bother me because i know these savings are going to be too dry to combine then and, yeah and uh hopefully hopefully leave them start getting a little more do at night which <laughs> yep does help 
Yep, it definitely does. That's what I was saying to open the show. I just said, boy, we've got this rain in the forecast. I mean, not a high percentage, not uh, big rains or anything, but all I need is a little sprinkle. That's literally all I need, and that'll re-wet those beans enough. And I mean, we're we're lucky. Ours are are good right now, but to your point, it's supposed to be hot here too. It's supposed to get to 90 degrees tomorrow. Well, that doesn't usually happen the end of September, so that's going to dry those beans down really fast. Well, hey, hey, you think? think back two years ago we were dealing with uh 16 percent yep. beans yep <laughs> so just uh, you never know what you're gonna get do you nope that's exactly right two years ago we had the wettest year we've ever had this year we've had possibly the driest year we'll see how it all pans out but yeah it's just it, it's something you're constantly fighting and then people always talk about the average well well yeah but you got to suffer on both ends of the spectrum here <laughs> within a three-year period so it hasn't been super fun but anyway we'll get through hey joe uh, thanks a lot for calling in today best of luck during harvest and be safe okay thank you you bet thank you all right, again, if you would like to call in, our phone lines are open, 844-44-AG-PHT. Just getting a harvest update. We'll be right back with that and your questions after this. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at Ag Biome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. Ag Biome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Your schedule can change by the minute, making it hard to stay on top of the latest agronomy information. But at AgPHD, we have some good news for you. If you miss an episode of AgPHD TV or radio, you can catch up at agphd.com. With years of valuable content and latest episodes available to stream for free, you can continue building your agronomic knowledge on any schedule. While you're there, don't forget to check for upcoming AgPHD events and workshops. Watch, listen, and learn at agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates. And the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. 
This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio, getting a harvest update today. If you'd like to call into the show, again, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. So I was telling you a little bit earlier about things on our farm and kind of what we're doing. And what we're seeing is really just tremendous variability. We are in a drought area. If you look at where we're at in South Dakota and look at the National Drought Monitor map for each week of the growing season, we never left the pretty heavy drought area. I don't know what you call it, extreme or, uh, you know, all their different classifications. But anyway, it was pretty bad. And we're lucky because we have heavy soil, but nevertheless, we have variability out there and a big part of that is just the different soil types that we go through. So for example, if we've got anything that's a little lighter, even a 10 or 12 or 15 CEC, this year is not going to be as good as a 20 CEC because it just didn't hold as much moisture. I would also say where fields, on fields where we didn't have it built up, the soil fertility built up like we want to get to, then that's definitely more problematic. So just as an example, I bought a piece of ground that's real close to our little town of Baltic. So we're out in the country on the farm, obviously, but we're only three miles from this little town. So I bought a 40-acre field that's a quarter mile from town. Well, I just assumed as everything is growing right around Sioux Falls, all kinds of people are moving to South Dakota from all these other states. And I mean, South Dakota's population is just exploding right now. But anyway, I just assumed it'd go for development. So this is like four years ago or so. So I just said, nah, I don't want to put a whole bunch of money into this. We're going to sell it off at some point, probably and not all that long. Well, we're still farming it. And now I'm mad that I didn't stick the money into it because that's going to be our worst yielding field on the whole farm. And it's my own fault because I didn't fix the fertility. In especially in years like this, what you always have to think about is you make your plant a water waster when you don't have the right amount and right balance of nutrients out there. So even if the ground is heavy, you still have to have the right fertility there. And it's not just N, P, and K. It's the micronutrients and sulfur and trying to get the pH right and all those things. And the more you do of that, the more you're going to have good yields despite having poor weather. All right. We're going to go back to the phone lines. Got Randy calling in from Nebraska. Hey, Randy, here you got some questions for us. Uh, yes, I am in the field planting winter wheat after soybeans. Okay. And I'm wondering, given high fertilizer prices, what your recommendations would be for this? Sure. So do you have any past soil test results or anything you can really tell me about? your field or fields where you're planting this winter wheat? Yeah, these are fairly well-balanced pH soils, and the beans that came off of it made 77, 78 bushels, so no doubt that sucked up all the phosphate. 
normally yeah. we would just dump out a hundred plus pounds of you know like an MSC or a forty rock or something and yep. hope for the best. But yep. I don't know about this year. Okay, uh, let me ask you this too: Is this ground you own or you're renting it? Uh, renting it. Okay. Yep. Then it's it's harder for me to pull the trigger when I'm renting the ground. Uh, but I will say you're exactly right on your 77, 78 bushel soybeans. You pulled a lot of not just phosphorus, but potassium too off that field. Now, the good news is wheat doesn't take that much fertility on the P and K side compared to soybeans. But nevertheless, I, I, I just I worry about that a little bit. Here's here's the other side of this thing. Fertilizer prices are high, and I don't like that. Nobody likes that, at least on our end. I'm sure the people selling it like it. But anyway, my point is our crop prices are pretty decent. So I don't know what you can get for winter wheat in your area if, let's say, you were to contract it ahead or anything. But I do know for a lot of the wheat producers that we worked with this year, they just said, wow, we got a great price. And when I can get a great price, I can afford a little more money spent on fertilizer. So what I would usually tell you is I'm going to look at my my yield goal and I'm going to at least put back grain removal. So what is your yield goal on your winter wheat? Um, we did the same practice on another pivot right next to it. And that wheat made 102 bushels this last year. Yep. Okay. And uh, it's just getting bailed with like a secondary crop of forage that'll make four to five tons an acre. Yep. The local price for next summer is six sixty. Six sixty. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it's pretty good money. Uh, that's kind of where yeah. I was going with this. All right. So let let me just share with you. I just pulled up our fertilizer removal app. If I had 102 bushel winter wheat, that, just for the grain removal, I'm not talking stover, but just the grain removal is 49 pounds of phosphate and 30 pounds of K2O potassium. So my point here is that's not a lot of dollars. Now, granted, if you're going to take some stover off, you know, bale, bale up the straw or something, then you're going to take especially a little more potassium. But still, it, it it's just not that much money to put out 50 pounds. 50 pounds of phosphates, that'd be like 100 pounds of MAP or DAP, and 30 yep. pounds of K2O potassium, so that's roughly 50 pounds of potash. So, uh, you know, if you were to do something like that and put out some kind of 50-30 blend, at least you're you're not falling behind. So that's probably what I would do. What about any additional nitrogen? <laughs> yep. Um, without a soil test, it's hard for me to say for sure. So a lot of people will say, okay, it's after beans and you can figure, who knows, 40, 50, whatever. I just, I, I always question that because we've never found that to be very consistent. It so no, I, go ahead. I, I do not believe that because I do not think it'll metabolize in time for the wheat to utilize it. Yep. So. I'll just say this. We want to make sure that our wheat is not short on nitrogen, but by the same token, you don't want to push it too hard in the fall and get excessive growth and have more lodging and, and issues like that. But yeah, you definitely do not want to starve that crop in the fall. You got to have it healthy going into the winter so it does well. So, you know, in terms of the nitrogen thing, I don't know that I have any great answer for you. And if you have figured out a way to manage it to 102 bushel 
per acre yields, it sounds to me like you probably know what to do. And it also sounds to me like you're probably calling to get reassurance that, hey, this is going to be okay, even though the fertilizer prices are high. Yeah, was, just go ahead and spend the money. <laughs> yep. That's what you said. That's, that's, that's what, yes, that's what I'm saying. Because you know the crop needs it. And $6.60 is pretty good. If you can get 100 bushels, 660 bucks an acre, you know, you're probably going to live to farm another year. So, yeah, I don't like the fertilizer yeah. prices either, but the crop needs it. All right. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for calling in, Randy. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of crazy times right now. Even I was talking to a couple of agronomists this morning in Nebraska, and we were just talking about how one of their competitors has what they call sunset pricing. And I go, what do you mean sunset pricing? And they said, well, they'll only give you a price on literally anything that you want to buy. I don't care if it's chemical, fertilizer, anything for today. And the prices are no good after today. I'm <laughs> going... Oh my gosh, this is, it's it's a little ridiculous. And so what's happened is I think the panic and the fear is way greater than what the reality actually is. What I'm trying to say is, and these guys especially were concerned about supply and ag chemicals. And I said, guys, yeah, glyphosate's going to be a little tight. Uh, Glufosinate's going to be quite a bit tight. But I said, other than that, I don't foresee any problems. I shouldn't say any. I don't foresee major problems with anything else. But, you know, there are issues right now with all these big companies. I talked to uh, a big company as I was on my way back, and they just said, yeah, there's stuff that's supposed to get to retailers right now, but the problem is we can't get truck drivers. I'm like, come on, there are all kinds of trucks on the road. No, we're having a real tough time getting truck drivers. And so anyway, it'll get done, but it's just, it's slow. And it's the same kind of thing with all these boats that are coming from China or wherever sitting off the port of L.A. And they they claim that today about 10% of the world's shipping containers, and one of the reasons why there's such a shortage of shipping containers, about 10% of the world's shipping containers are sitting on boats at ports waiting to get unloaded. <laughs> That's real efficient. So anyway, hopefully some of that kind of stuff starts changing here in the next few months and things get a little better. But yeah, don't panic. Uh, there's still a good chance for farm income next year. Stay tuned. This is Ag PhD Radio. Phil wants plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Every week for more than two decades, Ag PhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. 
What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the Ag PhD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Our first question of the day comes from Dale in Pennsylvania. He says, I've taken off 60 acres of corn and the harvesting people left large ruts in the fields. I've also noticed a lot of thistles in areas of fields. I need to disc and subsoil these fields before planting fall wheat. Now, I remember you guys telling us, telling uh, our people who listened to your show on Ag PhD, not to disc the fields with thistles in it. And if so, what chemicals should I spray before or after disking? I need your help. Thanks from Dale. Oh, he says, I watch you boys every Tuesday night on RFD TV. Uh, well, first of all, Dale, thanks for two things. Thanks for the email and thanks for calling me a boy yet at age 53. I appreciate that. But anyway, I, I would say... The reason why we tell people, please don't do the tillage first, is this. What you want with Roundup is not just for it to burn the top growth down. You want that to get down into the extensive root system of Canada thistle or any other thistle and completely kill it. So next year, you aren't dealing with a whole bunch of plants again. What often happens is if you do the tillage first and then you try to spray, or even if you don't spray, whatever, the point is you've cut a bunch of these plants up. And now you'll end up with plants that are putting new shoots on because sometimes those roots can survive without any above-ground growth, for a while at least. The advantage to spraying beforehand is you should hopefully get a permanent kill, spray the full rate, at least a couple quarts of six-pound Roundup, and then you really should have it. doesn't cost that much money. It costs some, but then hopefully you can get that under control. And so a lot of times this means spot spraying out in those fields. You, you certainly don't have to spray that higher rate for some of the annual weeds or even some of the winter, well, whether it's summer or winter annuals, but for Thistles absolutely hit them hard. What we have for a problem, though, is this. 
if you spray this, let's say three weeks from now, and you've had a frost and a hard frost between now and then, your control percentage will go from really good to really poor with the Roundup. So as long as you haven't had a frost, which I don't think you have over in your area, but as long as you haven't had a frost yet, you're okay to do this. Wait about three or four days, then go ahead and do your tillage, and you should be in good shape. Thanks for the question, Dale. All right, next is this one comes in from Steve in Illinois. He says, I've heard you talk about fertilizing for high yields and asking growers if they are going for high yield. Why isn't every grower wanting to go for high yield? Steve, when I was growing up on the farm, here's what I had. My dad was, I we always used to call him really tight. He didn't, didn't want to spend money. Well, if you looked at his dad, who was from Iowa, and my mom's dad, who was from South Dakota, they both lived through the 30s, and they weren't super young. They would have both been in their 20s during the 1930s. So it's right during their time as young farmers, and they both had to struggle most of their lives. It's hard to get that kind of stuff out of your head. It's just like for all these people that now have had to deal with COVID, we're never going to get that out of our heads until, you know, whatever it is, 80 years from now or 70, 60 years from now when people haven't lived through it anymore, all those people that are living in those times, well, they're they're not going to know anything about what we had to live through. So anyway, the way I always looked at this is my dad got it from both his his dad and his father-in-law all the time that, hey, cut your costs, cut your costs, cut your costs, be really careful. And then my dad had to live through the 80s where he saw a lot of his friends and neighbors uh, go bankrupt. Okay, when those are your experiences, then you're going to be tight on stuff and you're going to really want to try to be conservative. So, Steve, my opinion is that's still a lot of the general mentality out there because, quite frankly, even for me, it's hard sometimes to spend money because I heard it so often from my dad and my two grandpas that I got to be conservative. But we have, for Darren and me, we've had good success investing money on our farm in things like fertility and tile. It has made all the difference in the world. Like I was talking about earlier, the, the corn yield that went 242, and actually I just checked through the scale tickets, we actually went 246 dry, and we had almost no moisture in 14 months. And I can tell you that never would have happened if we would have been oh, unbelievably conservative on what we did for fertility. We loaded up that ground, got the fertility balanced, invested a lot of dollars, and some people, even some of our own people, said we were crazy. Well, when I get 246 bushel corn on almost no rain and have it hail damaged, I'm going to be pretty darn happy. That's dry land corn, too. So anyway... I, I think that's a lot of the mentality out there, but I just that's why we always encourage people to. And our, fortunately, our dad did this for us as well. He said, guys, you got to try things. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just make them on a small scale. So if you want to really push the fertility, like I, I, I hate to even say this, but last year, do you know what we spent on fertility on 3,200 acres? On average, $300 an acre on fertilizer across the board. That's corn and beans. $300, not 30, not 100, 300. What we did is we had a massive build program because I just said, you know, fertilizers in in the last 15 years has never been this cheap. Why would I not push it? Plus, we had the driest fall we've ever had in history, so we had 3 months to do soil testing, fertilizer, everything else. I said, what the heck? Let's go for it. Last spring in the spring of 2020, when everything crashed cuz of COVID, we bought a 
a floater, a used floater. And so we, we put the hours on that thing last fall. So anyway, we were lucky with a lot of that stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I'm the smartest guy in the world. We were just flat out lucky. But we never would have pushed it that hard had we not taken some small fields and started experimenting in a, on that and really, really pushing it over 20 years ago. And so every year it's just been a little bit more. And let's try a few more acres and let's do a little more of this. And all the way along, it's been, I, I mean, sure, we've done some stupid things where we've screwed it up. But we learned what to do and what not to do. And we learned when fertilizer's cheap, you want to get that stuff built up on the ground that you own at least. All right. Next one comes in talking about, and I, sorry, I don't have a name on this. Uh, it says burn down options for Roundup resistant weeds. And he says, I've been using glyphosate authority first and 2,4-D for years as a burn down in corn stalks, coming back with glyphosate uh, for a post spray. This year, the only weed that's out there is mare's tail. Well, I'm wanting to switch to Liberty to control these resistant weeds. Should I use Liberty in my burndown program or my post spray? Well, first of all, you're not going to like the Liberty price this year. It's going to be sky high. We got, we're going to have a one-year shortage of Liberty, and then I've, I've been told from both BSF and UPL, the two main manufacturers in the world, they're going to dramatically up their glufosinate production going into 2023. So anyway, because of the price, that may mean problems. But I'll just say this. It looks like, you know, when we're talking authority first, this must mean N24D. This must mean that we're talking about soybeans and we're talking about enlist beans. So if I've got enlist beans, mare's tail, yeah, I can take them out with that post-emerge 24D just as well as I can with the Liberty. So that's the direction I would go. Here's the other thing. And I'm glad you you wrote in with this question today because fall is actually the time to kill mare's tail. So we've had fantastic luck killing mare's tail in the fall with really high rates of banvel, like a quart of banvel. Now, you could do the same thing with 2,4-D. You just have to go with a ridiculously high rate of 2,4-D. Look on the label. Take a look at the highest labeled rate. And and you're going to probably go, oh, my goodness, that's more than I've ever used before. Yep, I know it. But if you want to eliminate the mare's tail, and we've been able to do that by going with some big time rates in the fall, just have it over with. And then you're done. Then you don't have to worry about it at all post-emerge. Just kill it right now. What I've learned in my lifetime as an agronomist is if I let weeds go at all in the crop, I'm, I cannot maximize my yield. So what I'm trying to say is if you can't get this thing with your burn down and it's still living into your crop, that's a problem for yield. You don't want that ever. So you got to either bump the burn down or in, in my example here, I would say kill it in the fall, do a fall burn down and just have it over with on those bad fields. And, and by the way, the time to do it is on nice warm days. Like tomorrow, for example, here it's supposed to be 90 degrees. I just assume we shut the combines down in the afternoon, go spray Banville, and I know it seems nuts to spray when it's 90 degrees, but we're not going to spray at 90, but I'm saying spray at 80 or something like that and go kill them on those nice hot fall days. That will eliminate your mare's tail. All right, let's see if I can get one more in. Oh, uh, here it is. Uh, this one, uh, I can't pronounce the first name. So anyway, I'll just say it. the question is, does deep tillage create soil compaction or reduce soil compaction? Could be either one. So what we encourage people to do to avoid creating compaction is vary the tillage depth. And then we like, if we're going really deep, we like running with straight shanks, narrow points, so we're not rolling the ground and then we don't create as much compaction. But yeah, there's always a little trick to things. 
So it could be either way. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to my sister Janelle. She was running the controls today. Thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.